Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Cheering crowd sound, it's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. Hi guys, this is Kenny Hughes, and you're listening to the concerts that made us. Shut your eyes now, baby. Shut your eyes now, little one. Getting through me And now it's safe to come home It's easy to forget me It's easy for you to move on You'll be running back soon You'll be running back home
Hughes, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's brilliant to have you now. I'm looking forward to diving into your music over the next bit. So your latest single, Last Stand, drops on Friday, 4th of August. What can you tell us about it? Um, well, you know, when I just started out with music, um, you know, you have a lot of people telling you how difficult it's going to be. And, you know, they tell you all about the challenges and things. And I, I was sort of wide eyed and expectant. I, I thought initially, at least, that I was going to be um, I was going to find that pot at the end of the rainbow, so to speak, you know, and um, I only realized once I was doing it for at least a couple months, maybe a year or two, just how difficult it is, you know. Um, it's definitely one of the tougher industries to be in. And I mean, there's challenges along along the way that you can't really anticipate and stuff. And um, I figured that you can't really rely on other people to do it for you. You know, a lot of it you have to do yourself. It's a very select few that actually get that lucky break, so to speak, that reach some form of success overnight. And yeah, Last Stand is basically my my ode to to the ride and to the challenge and to my independence, having to do it all myself. And I guess there's a sort of freedom in that in of itself. Eh? Yeah. Can we dive a bit deeper into that for a second? You, you say you never grasped how hard it would be. I feel like that's kind of fairly obvious that, you know, only like 1% of people actually make it. Yeah, definitely. But, um, you know, when you when you start out, you feel like, I don't know, you feel like player one in your own video game, you know, as long as you're doing certain things uh, in the correct order or whatever, things are just going to unfold for you. But there's so many twists and turns. And um, I mean, situations like COVID, for example, that completely put the brakes on my on my career. Uh, you have to you have to sort of look past that and see the bigger picture. You have to understand that it's cool if you just if you stick with it and you feel like it's really what you want to be doing with your life. Then it doesn't matter what comes up; you you're going to get through it anyway. And yeah, that's basically what the song's about. It's about facing those type of things head on and realizing that you've got your own back before anyone else does, and you just got to keep pushing through. True, true. Do you feel like it's one of them things where you get to a certain point and you feel like? Okay, I may not be playing stadiums, but I'm doing what I love and that's enough for me. 100%. That is exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I had an office job right out of high school and I realized very quickly that's not the path I'm going to be following. And um, so when I, when I started making music full time uh, as a professional musician, it was, it felt like home immediately, you know, and, uh, you have problems at home as well, you know, but it's still home. So that's what it was like for me in, in music. It, it doesn't really matter to me where I'm playing or it, all that matters is that I'm playing, you know, and I was going to be sitting in my room playing anyway. I might as well go out and do it in front of three people if there happen to only be three people. It's still music and it's still what I love. And yeah, it, it just feels like home. And yeah, like I said, there's, there's a, there's a great freedom in that. It's a great way to look at it, all right. And Everett's name and produced and played drums on the track. What was it like trying to find the right producer to to match your vision? So I've been working with Everett for uh, quite a few years now, actually. I released um, a, a previous single of mine. The first single I recorded with him was 1920. 
and I released that in 2020. And ever since then, every time I've come up with a new song that I felt was worthy of recording, uh, I call Yefrit up and we make a plan. And I just love his vision. You know, he, he brings such a creative spin to every song I, I walk into the studio with. And while I have a general idea of what I want the song to sound like and where I want it to go, he's just got this... It's just another perspective, you know. It's the age-old adage that two heads are better than one, and his head is amazing. <laughs> He's got a brilliant musical mind. And so I always walk out of the studio with a song sounding completely different, although it's got the same skeleton, all the meat and all the all the flesh and sinew and everything is totally different. And that's what makes it unique for me. So whenever I can, I mean, we live very far apart. He lives on the other side of the country. So when we can then i like to record with him just because i love his perspective yeah yeah i get you i get you and uh what's your what's your approach to songwriting then where do you get your inspiration how do you lay out a song so it usually starts with um some sort of guitar line for me so whether it's a riff or a or a random lick or just a chord progression or whatever it is um, if i feel like it if I feel like it ignites some sort of inspiration for a lyrical line or whatever, then I will put my cell phone's voice recorder on. I'll jam the line or the chord progression or whatever a few times. I'll sing a bunch of random things over it and for a couple minutes, and then I'll go back and listen to the recording. And then I'll pick out the parts of it that I like a lot. And then I sort of build it like a puzzle. Sometimes it happens very quickly. Sometimes it's a matter of minutes and I have a, I have, a basic full song you know i mean obviously you can color it in later or whatever and sometimes it takes a lot longer sometimes i have to revisit the recording a few times and make a few recordings until i'm quite satisfied with it uh i feel like a lot of people write that way these days and um i'm, I'm not one of those guys that can just sit down and write down the lyrics to a full song i've never been able to do that it's it always starts with the guitar for me right right here's an interesting one now when you're writing a song, how do you know when it's finished? Um, well, no song is ever a finish. Uh, no song is ever finished. They are only abandoned, right? <laughs> so, <Come on. laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know. I'm when I feel like it's reached certain length parameters. You know, like uh, in this day and age, especially if you want your songs to play on radio then they need to fit within a certain time frame and that would be generally around the three minute three and a half minute mark sometimes they're a bit longer or whatever and if i feel like a song is just getting too long then i'll edit it and cut out pieces that are just unnecessary fluff you know i'll cut that out and, uh, but usually it's just i don't know usually the song tells me it's done you know it's not really in my control at that point just feels right it just feels right exactly yeah and this track in particular then how do you think it captures your evolution as an artist since your first release uh it gets back it gets back to some form of blues for me so i've always been a blues man i always will be a blues man but a lot of my previous singles were a bit more into the funk realm maybe a bit more into the rock realm some people might argue that they had a bit of a pop influence i've heard that on a few occasions and it always catches me by surprise but hey i'll take <laughs> i'll take any critique i can get um, but for me this song actually gets back to what i started out playing i started off as a blues guy and it's got a very bluesy intro at least to me and um 
yeah, to me that that felt right as well. It's it's actually a riff that I've been playing for many years. I just haven't I just haven't put it to real good use. And now finally, uh, yeah, the song sort of unfolded. I walked into the studio, played it for Yefert. He gave me his influence on it and everything, and it just worked out well. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how it does. I'm sure it'll do pretty well. I'm sure they'll. There's always going to be people that hate it, but I'm sure there'll be people that love it. And um, yeah. So, with regards to my evolution as an artist, I don't know. I th- I feel like that's up to, that's up to the listener if they've listened to my discography to say if it's an improvement or if I've digressed into a, a previous <laughs> level again. I I don't know. Right, <laughs> right. And you know what is it about the blues that attracted you? Uh, when I was a when I was a young boy, I loved the sound of the blues, and I I never knew, first of all, that there were different genres of music. I just knew that there was music that I liked and music that I didn't like. And whenever a blues track would come on, or whenever a, you know, like any any real guitar heavy song that had an obvious blues influence in, that resonated with me. I really really liked that, and it was only in my teens after listening to all sorts of music you know that i finally realized that okay so there's this specific genre that it's sort of like a folder on a computer if you can open it you see all this music that you really really love you just had no idea there was an actual label for it um so i don't know maybe in a previous life i was a blues man (laughs) who knows right right (laughs) and um you know you've had a lot of success in your career so far three of your singles have reached number one you've had features and chart entries in the uk germany canada and australia and you were a finalist in the u.s banger music awards what do you credit your success with um happenstance (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it was um it was like i said i mean when i started out as a musician i had no idea where it was going to go you know what i mean i just knew that music was going to be a part of my life forever. I never knew how big of a part it was going to be in my life. And that's why, I mean, when, when people ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? Music wasn't always the first answer, you know, there were a lot of other things, but it just always felt like you have to do something to support your music. You can't just be a musician. I mean, no one does that, but then it turns out you can, you can actually do that. If you're willing to put in the work, if you're willing to put in the effort, then you can actually make it happen. Um, so I'd say determination, just the fact that I listened to my I listened to my soul and I listened to what I, it was I wanted to make, it, the sounds that I wanted to make with my instruments. And yeah, if you just if you just stick to who you are, they always tell you when you when you're starting out as a guitarist that you have to find your own voice. You can't you can't play like Stevie Ray Vaughan because Stevie Ray Vaughan played like Stevie Ray Vaughan. You have to find your own voice, and sometimes sometimes that voice sings sometimes it doesn't <laughs> so there have been so many songs that i scrapped just because they never felt right you know the songs that i release are the only ones that really felt right to me and i was fortunate at listening to listening to my inner voice telling me this is it this is the one that it actually worked out for me pretty well so far Right, right. And at this stage, so we'll dive into your your early influences to see where you came from. So if you can, can you tell us your earliest musical memory? 
Uh, my earliest musical memory. Wow, that's a good one. I guarantee it was Dire Straits. I guarantee it. And the reason I guarantee it is because my father and my uncle are both massive Dire Straits fans. So I grew up with them watching music DVDs, you know, like of, of live concerts and stuff. Uh, oh, man, I can't tell you how many shows I've fallen asleep to on the couch, you know, just with the, some of the greats playing. But I'm pretty sure it would have been it would have been watching a Dire Straits DVD with my dad and my uncle. That's the earliest memory I can think of right now, at least. <laughs> <laughs> you obviously grew up then in a, a very musical household. There was obviously support for music, was there? Oh, definitely. Um, a lot of it comes down to the fact that I really, I really suck at sports, right? So when I when I started playing music, there was something my dad could support me with, you know, because it was embarrassing <laughs> if he came to watch a cricket game or something. <laughs> so when he when we finally found something that I'm sort of naturally inclined to, he was like, "All right, cool, let's go full steam ahead. Let's do that." And my mom as well. I mean, my mom will support anything. I could I could quit music now and become a mechanic, and she would support me. <laughs> so yeah, I've got very supportive parents. They both played guitar for a little while in the church and stuff so definitely a musical background in my family right right and you know later on then in your teenage years what kind of music were you exposed to and how do you think it molded you into the musician you are today i was exposed to one of my all-time favorite bands when i was about 11 years old uh, it was my cousin's matric holiday so he just finished high school and we all went to the coast for holiday and whatever and the theme of that holiday was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's all he listened to the whole time. It was the first time I was introduced to them, and they've been a pretty massive part of my musical life ever since then. Um, so, yeah, um, when I said that some of my previous songs were funk and a lot of my future songs to come will definitely have funky influences and stuff, that I have to give credit to Red Hot Chili Peppers for. I have to admit, when you said earlier on funk, they were the first band that popped into my mind. <laughs> they just are one of those bands, though, aren't they? I mean, they've been running since the since the mid '80s, and they're still relevant today. I mean, it's not everyone that gets that that level of success, and um, there's got to be something special there. With Red Hot Chili Peppers, for me, it's a love them or hate them kind of situation, and I happen to love them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, then as a concert gore. What concerts would you say have made you? I have unfortunately not seen nearly enough international acts. Every international act that's come here, and I do mean every international act that's come here, I've missed. I've missed every concert for some reason or another. So the only real concerts I've attended have been local bands. And let me tell you, I mean, in South Africa, we have world-class talent regarding music it is um we have some of the best bands we really really do and yeah i mean just seeing seeing guys that grew up within an hour of your house playing such amazing inspirational music um that is well inspiring for lack of a better word you know i've seen so many bands at local festivals and stuff just because i haven't really toured internationally yet i'd love to and it's definitely in the pipeline but the local bands that that make the SA music scene are, oh, they're incredible, man. They they just don't get the the credit they deserve. That's for sure. Yeah, that's an interesting one now because I've spoke to lots and lots of South African musicians, and first off, I always get the sense that it's completely different over there. That 
it's really laid back, like compared to other countries. They're so like I imagine if you're walking down the street in South Africa, you could see like the biggest rock star there and just go over and start talking to him, whereas you couldn't over here. But also, I'd love to get your opinion on why do you think it's like South African bands and musicians are almost held back that they don't get more recognition outside of South Africa? I think the main reason they don't get recognition outside of South Africa is because the genres that, I mean, I might get a lot of flack for this later, right? But <laughs> the genres that actually make it, like the, the musicians in South Africa that actually make, well, a, a real success are in genres that require very little talent. Um, and the the more technical guys, like the really good funk bands, really good metal bands, really good rock bands, um, they don't get the they don't get the support from the local following that they should, because the people who are listening, like the 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 general population who's listening to music, prefers well Afrikaans pop music basically. So it's it's our version of pop music, and I'm not a fan of it at all in any way. And yeah, so if you're not gonna if you're not gonna be selling out thousands of tickets in your own country it's going to be very difficult for you to get any international recognition you know what i mean it's easy for us to bring in a band like red hot chili peppers because all you have to do is you have to look at their following in their country i mean every show they play is sold out whereas here it's really really difficult for a rock band to sell out a show um yeah the support just seems to be in the wrong genre for me but that's just my opinion you know what i mean like there's a lot of people that would say that those genres are very good and there are people listening to them for a reason obviously so but i think that's the main reason if you can't really get a lot of traction in your country it's difficult to have a good selling point in another country true true and i'm really looking forward to this now for any listeners that haven't caught one of your shows what can they expect Give them the full experience if you can. Okay, well, um, it depends which show you come to. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a I'm a solo artist uh, predominantly. I I, I started off. Um, I played in a in a band, but it was nothing super serious, and it, it gave me like a bit of perspective of what I wanted to be as a musician. And then I started playing solo. So when I play solo, um, I would do I I use a looper. So. I'd lay down a, a loop on my acoustic guitar or whatever. And then I usually swap between my acoustic and electric, you know, for solos and stuff and different parts of different songs. I also use a, a really old suitcase as my kick drum. So I've got like an old, I think it's a 1945, the suitcase was made according to the label on it. And I've got like a mid 70s floor tom mic inside it that runs with an xlr to my desk and that that's my kick drum so that's quite unique you know um so if you if you're coming to one of my solo shows i do a lot of it gets a bit psychedelic at times it's very funky very bluesy i do a lot of layers and stuff over the looper um so it's quite cool it's quite a cool experience for someone that hasn't seen it i'm sure and when i'm playing with my band we are a blues rock funk trio so i've got a bassist and a drummer they are absolutely incredible and then i just play with the electric at this stage i might bring in the acoustic in future shows and then yeah it's like you know it's a, it's a really cool very powerful with a with a band mates and all original music so if you're into original music if you're into 
funky bluesy type vibes then i'm right up your alley sounds like a pretty good night yeah you should come check it out sometime when you visit south africa (laughs) i'll have to i'll have to and you know what does it mean to what does it mean to you to be a traveling musician or a traveling blues man to me it means freedom it really means freedom it's a freedom from the norm i mean when you tell people that you know, one of the first things you ask someone when you meet them is, what do you do? And the look on their face when I tell them I'm a musician, they're like, and how do you eat? <laughs> how do you eat food if you're a musician? You know, I love that. Uh, it's it's so cool because there's not a lot of people that do it full time. There's a lot of musicians, but a lot of them have day jobs as well. So to be doing it full time, I mean, I haven't had a boss in seven years. You know, I've been my own boss and my success depends on my willingness to put in the work. Um, so to be a traveling musician, is it means being comfortable sleeping in strange places for a lot of nights out of the year. You know, it means not having your bed or your shower or, you know, knowing where the grocery store is, <laughs> having to figure it out on the fly. And it really means freedom. But freedom comes at a cost, you know. I mean... I miss a lot of family events. I miss a lot of birthdays. I miss a lot of weddings, all those type of things, because, yeah, I'm always on the road. That's a fairly a fairly bad downside to it. All right. How much time would you take off? Or are you constantly traveling, looking for the next gig? I actually took off about three weeks, two weeks ago. <laughs> so that was the first time, first time in quite a while that I, that I took off and for any length of time. Um, I played in I played an amazing festival in Mozambique uh, in the end of May, and when I got back, I was just so beat up. It was just time for me to take a bit of a break, and it was the first break I took since the since the hard lockdown, um, and it was well well deserved, I'd say. I mean, I play a lot of shows. I play an average of like three shows a week if I if I can. Sometimes more, sometimes slightly less. Um, yeah, so. Time off is definitely important, but it also helps that I haven't had a Monday in six years, you know, <laughs> that helps a lot. That would help, all right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you mentioned Mozambique there. You've also played in Namibia. Now, over on this side of the world, we would never get exposed to music or concerts in those places. What are they like? Very similar to South Africa in certain senses, you know, um, it's still... A lot of the population is very Afrikaans, um, but they seem more laid back in Namibia compared to South Africa. In South Africa, you, you know, depending on where you are, but if you're in the cities, you can get caught up in the rat race. Um, that happens in any city anywhere in the world. You get caught up in the rat race. So people are very single-minded, focused on their own lives and what they're doing and stuff. They don't really take time to smell the roses so to speak and my experience of namibia was people were a lot more open um a lot more receiving a lot more a lot more hospitable to to a well foreign band you know um so yeah i actually had quite i actually had quite good support when i was in namibia and oh i had a whale of a time it was so so cool um i've been meaning to go back it's just hasn't worked out just yet but i will be making a, a my return to namibia quite shortly this year still if i can brilliant brilliant now your gigs that you've played i always ask is there a gig experience you've had that you revisit in your mind over and over as maybe the best 
Uh, 100%. So I've got one as a solo artist and I've got one as a band. So as a solo artist, um, well, there's actually two that come to mind. I opened for Jeremy Loops in Bloemfontein a few years ago. That was amazing. Very, very cool. Such a cool crowd. Um, they were there for Jeremy, obviously. But when I started playing, everyone was sort of scattered. You know, there was no one in the in, right in front of the stage. Everyone was scattered, getting their drinks, saying hi to their friends, all those type of things, you know. But by the end of my first song, I looked up because I'm very, I'm very focused on what I'm doing. I don't really look at the crowd all that often. Um, so when I finished the first song and I looked up, there was just like an ocean of people in front of me and they had all migrated to the stage to come see who's this guy, you know, what's he doing? And that was a really, really cool experience for me because that was the first time something like that happened and I just had this amazing response from this crowd who had no idea who I was, you know what I mean? And that was incredible. Really, really cool experience. Um, the second one would have to be, I played in Pretoria. Um, it was like a, a sold out theater show, 120 tickets. So when I played every song I played, as I started it, you could hear a pin drop. And if you're a gigging musician and you're used to playing in bars and stuff, you know that it's noisy. And a lot of the times the crowd doesn't even really notice that you're there or that you've started your song or finished the song or whatever. But at that show, 120 people, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in a small, intimate place, it's a lot of people. And between songs, you could hear a pin drop in the corner. Uh, they were so invested. They were sort of entranced by the music and they were there for the music. And that was a very, very cool experience for me. Those type of shows make it make it easy to stick to your guns and stay a true musician because that one good gig makes up for the nine bad gigs, you know. But then when it comes to the band, I'd have to say Mozambique at, in, at Strab this year. It was an incredible show. I don't know what it was. There was just electricity in the air the whole time we were playing. It was such a good experience. So in seven years, six, seven years of performing professionally and almost every weekend, that stands out to me as the best show i've played it was really really good every gig could be like that it'd be pure heaven oh yeah that doesn't <laughs> exist that's a no. utopia and <laughs> utopias don't exist <laughs> yeah yeah now to uh not to get too negative but to switch it around is there a gig experience you've had that you consider maybe the worst and how did you deal with it <laughs> um, i'd have to say the worst gigging experience i had um and this has happened many times since many many times but this was the first time and i wasn't prepared for it i didn't i in the moment i didn't know how to deal with it but i showed up to my gig i was really really looking forward to it and i ended up playing for two people the cashier and the man that made the pizzas <laughs> that was it for two hours i played for two people no one walked through the door nothing 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 and like I said, that was the first time that ever happened to me. And I was like, what am I, uh, what's happening? Why is the universe conspiring against me? <laughs> <laughs> but it's happened many times since and it just happens. You know, sometimes it just happens. If it's, if it's really cold outside, sometimes people would rather just stay home or whatever. I've had many gigs since. But it comes back to what I said earlier. Um, at some point, I, I just made the switch in my mind that said, I was going to be playing at home anyway to myself. You know what I mean? I might as well come hone my craft on an unfamiliar stage that is going to teach you something at the end of the day, whether it's a very small lesson, you're going to learn something from every gig you play. 
And those those bad gigs make you the musician that you end up being when you're playing to thousands of people. True, true. I was just going to ask, how do you push through that then and not pack up and go home? Do you look at it as a, a paid rehearsal or? That's exactly it. Yeah. Well, it depends. I mean, sometimes it's not a paid rehearsal, right? If it's a door deal and no one shows up, you don't get paid. <laughs> but most of the time, at least, yes, there is some sort of payment or at least a bar tab, you know. So you get a couple of drinks, you maybe get a plate of food and you play a few songs, which, again, you were going to be doing anyway. Might as well just go do it there. Not too bad. Not too bad. The moments before showtime, how do you psych yourself up? Then afterwards, how do you kind of calm down after it? The calming down is tough for me. <laughs> it's really right. difficult. It, it also depends on the setting, obviously. If there are a lot of people that you know, um, you know, sometimes sometimes the whiskey flows a bit too well. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as psyching myself up before shows, I've played so many solo shows in bars now that, you know, and unless it's a unless it's a special circumstance or whatever i don't really get nervous anymore i get like a certain anticipation builds but i don't really get nervous um so i'll on my way to the gig or whatever i'll just listen to some of my favorite songs you know that get me in a good frame of mind and yeah get me ready to play when if it's a big show i do get nervous i get really really nervous uh, i played a cool show this weekend um with my band we opened for uh, two local legends, uh, Diavels Fantastis and Corin Zoid. And I got to tell you, like before that show, I was proper nervous. Eh? <laughs> After seven years of doing it almost every weekend, I still got nervous. But we killed it. It was a great show. And um, yeah, I'm sure there'll be many more. Brilliant, brilliant. I've heard that when you notice that you stop getting that feeling, it's time to time to give up. So it's good that you still get get the nervous energy. Definitely, yeah. Especially if I'm playing a new venue, you know. Even though I'm playing the solo shows and stuff, I mean, I've got a lot of regular gigs that I play at least once, maybe twice a month. So for them, I don't really get nervous. Like I said, that anticipation still builds. But if I'm playing a new place that I haven't played before, I have no idea what to expect. Yeah, then then there's definitely a level of nerves. And then, it, it, uh, like I said, that that whiskey really helps. You have one whiskey before you go up, just takes that edge right off. True, true. And when it comes to your career, then how do you measure success? Well, that's a that's a difficult one because I mean, success is so subjective, and it's constantly changing. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's constantly changing. So for me, success would be as long as it sustains my lifestyle, which isn't a lavish lifestyle. I I live a very reserved lifestyle. <laughs> As long as it uh, sustains my lifestyle and I'm still enjoying it, as long as I'm having fun with it, because that's the reason I started playing in the first place, because I love it and because it's fun. I don't mind it being a labor of love, but as soon as it turns to a labor of hate, that's not success for me. As long as I can keep playing, keep enjoying it, and you know, still put food on the table, that's more than enough for me. I can't ask for any more than that. It's a good way to look at it. And what are some items that are left on your bucket list then when it comes to your career? What achievements or roadmarks would you like to hit? I'll tell you my ultimate dream. My ultimate dream with my music is to, it sounds so cliche when you say it, but it's honest and it's it's real. It's really what I want. I just want to travel the world from festival to festival, you know, blues fests, rock fests, jazz fests, whatever it is. I just want to travel the world from festival to festival and do a couple small gigs in between and I'll die a happy man. 
That that sounds like heaven. That just sounds no. like it couldn't get much better than that. <laughs> yeah, that that would be amazing. You know, I'd love to. I'd love a a, a Saturday night show at Glastonbury or whatever. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> but I mean, you might as well shoot for the stars sometimes, right? That's it. That's it. And before we dive into the last couple of questions, then future plans. I know you have a big gig the day after the the record releases. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's quite exciting. I made the decision in Mozambique that I want to focus on the band. Um, I want to. I really want to push the band into a direction that I haven't taken my solo shows with, and that's to actually start exploiting the the whole ticket sales side of things. You know, putting together our own shows, selling tickets to the events, really putting some effort behind the marketing, and just taking matters into my own hands, so to speak. I had a realization that I love playing bars, don't get me wrong, but I don't want to be doing it when I'm in my 40s. I would rather be doing shows that I set up, theater shows. You know, There's something special about selling tickets to a show because if you're playing in a bar, there's usually going to be a lot of people that don't give a damn you're there or not. You know, But if you're selling tickets and someone's bought a ticket to come see you, you can be sure they're going to be sitting and listening to you play. And those shows really mean something those shows are really really cool so yeah this is not our first but our first really meaningful show that we're actually selling tickets to and i'm sort of going to gauge it from there i'm going to see all right cool what can we improve on from this experience what can we do differently and what can we do to make sure next time there's a few more people and then a few more people and a few more people and Hey, who knows? Maybe a couple sponsorships follow after that. That would be nice, eh? Yeah, yeah, it would. We'll see what we'll see what how it unfolds. I'm open to, I'm open to suggestions. You know. Yeah, yeah. And any plans of further music throughout the rest of the year or anything? Yeah, so I'm. Releasing Last Stand now. Um, I might be releasing uh, a couple more tracks by the end of the year, but all the all the songs that I've released so far, we're compiling onto a, a little album. It's more of an EP, but we're calling it an album. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna use the the Woodstock Brewery show on the fifth of August to sort of officially release that album. Um, and yeah, then I want to take it on the road. I want to I want to do. Uh, couple tours if i can a couple small ones and then maybe a really nice big long tour at the end of the year um yeah we'll see if my band's willing to hit the road with me (laughs) (laughs) right right we'll uh we'll dive into the last couple so i'll start you off easy if you didn't work in the music industry what would you do well that's a tough one because i kind of suck at everything else eh? (laughs) (laughs) This is the one thing I've got going for me. And thank goodness that's what I ended up doing for a living. Um, I don't know. I've always been um, I've always been interested in engineering. So I've, I've, I felt that if I could apply myself a bit better in, in high school, I might have had a career as an engineer. It would have been quite fun for me. Um, but music was always going to be on the sideline then. So I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Right, right. And if you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only, who would it be? Oh, my goodness. Mm. That is not an easy question. <laughs> no. But just for the sake, oh, man, wow, wow, wow. 
That's that's a really tough one. I'm gonna have to say Jimi Hendrix. I'm gonna have to do it. It's a cliche, but I'm gonna have to say Jimi <laughs> Hendrix. I feel like that would be I'd be awestruck. I would be completely awestruck. Yeah. 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 Jimi Hendrix is his final answer. Final <laughs> answer. <laughs> Perfect. And if you this is an odd one now, all right? But if you had to spend twenty four hours locked inside a room with any musician from history, who would it be? Hmm. I think it would have to be Robert Johnson. And I would use the 24 hours to interrogate him on whether or not he actually sold his soul to the devil to play as well as he did for his side. I'd I'd love to pick one of their brains, you know, one of the really, really early forefathers of of the blues. Um, Yeah, I'd say Robert Johnson. I'd like to, I'd like to spend 24 hours with him so I could find out where he came from and what it was that made him special because he truly was i mean he paved the way for music as we know it today didn't he yeah exactly i have to say i'm delighted you said him i've just won a bet with myself when i was doing these questions i said i bet you he'll pick robert johnson (laughs) oh wow (laughs) that's amazing foresight you have there eh? (laughs) never works out any other time (laughs) (laughs) well i'm glad i could make your evening at least once eh? Exactly, exactly. And the final one, so what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life? Oh, man. These are good questions. eh? These are really, (laughs) really good questions. Ah, I'm going to have to say money for nothing because it's pretty true, man. I don't see I don't see um, what I do for a living as work. It's it really kind of is money for it's so fun, you know what I mean? I look at I look at other career paths and because I because I worked in an office, I know what goes into really earning earning your month's wages and music is not it, you know. It's got its challenges, sure, but oh, it's so fun. It should be a sin name. Eh? So it's <laughs> um I'd say money for nothing. Yeah, I'd say money for nothing. It has to be that one. So listen, Kenny. It's been an absolute blast now. Thanks a million for jumping on. Thank you so much for having me. What a privilege. You only know where I came from Who knows where I might go Live life in the fast lane if you want to I'm gonna take it slow Got nowhere I need to be Not for now at least Got no one I need to become here Can you see I'm already done I'm a midnight man I do what I want when I can I'm a midnight man
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.